Welcome to the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Moses, and I invite you to join me on a profound exploration into the hearts and minds of filmmakers and storytellers. In this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and dive deep into the personal stories and experiences of the ones brave enough to walk the path I've dreamed about walking my entire life. As filmmakers and storytellers, we craft worlds, characters, and emotions that resonates with audiences all over the globe. But behind the lens and beyond the glitz and glamour is a deeply human side to our creative endeavors. In each episode, we peel back the layers and delve into the unspoken conversations about mental health that often remain hidden. We're going to sit down with directors, screenwriters, cinematographers, and other talented individuals from the world of filmmaking. Through intimate and thought-provoking conversations, we'll seek to understand the intricate relationships between our craft and our mental well-being. We'll uncover the vulnerabilities, the triumphs, and the transformative moments that shaped their lives. The Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast is not just about filmmaking. It's about human connection. It's about creating a safe place where we can open up conversations about mental health, destigmatize the topic, and foster a sense of empathy and understanding. Our hope is that by sharing these stories, we can inspire, empower, and provide a beacon of light to those who may navigate their own mental health challenges. Join me as we embark on this transformative journey where the magic of cinema intertwines with the vulnerable realities of mental health. We invite you to listen, learn, and grow alongside us. Welcome to the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast. I am your host, Jared Moses, and I am here with the magnificent writer and and just as far as I'm concerned, creative being that is uh, Charles Xavier Ellis. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. Thank you very much. Uh, well, I'm glad to have you. Um, I'm going to be... I'm always I'm all about transparency here. So I'll be honest. I have interviewed this gentleman before, and due to no fault of his own, then in the in the faulty nature of of technology, um, my computer, which held the interview, uh, crashed and died, and I lost all evidence of of our discussion. So he has graciously agreed to come back on and talk to me again, and hopefully we'll have as wonderful of a conversation this time around as we did last time, if not better. Um, I don't the like spell to... is broken and we live again. Yes. Gargoyles <laughs> would say. Yes. So we're going to kick it off with an icebreaker. Uh, I'm going to ask you um, to pick a letter between a B and C. Um, and from there, I'm going to ask you a question that corresponds with that. So pick a letter. Uh, I'm going to go with C. Okay. What would you do if you did not care what anyone else thought? Oh, I think I would, I, I think I would basically be, basically be a, a cool character from any kind of film or television show or something like that like a james bond type and not not be a jerk i want to be a jerk but <laughs> i would just be walking around not caring what anyone else thought and just be i would dress any way i wanted i would walk around with like 
a margarita glass in hand with filled with like chocolate milk for no reason just because <laughs> I wanted to that kind of stuff that kind of like adventurous thing because it, it kind of reminds me of the the Simpsons episode where Homer has a pink shirt and he goes Marge I can't wear a pink shirt I'm not cool enough you know I'm not respected enough to be different but if I didn't care what anyone else thought that's what I would do I would just be like that kind of clownish coolish person and just do whatever I wanted like that just just be a cartoon character i guess <laughs> that's the answer i'd be a cartoon character i honestly would i i would just love to see you walk around with <laughs> a margarita glass filled with chocolate milk that that alone just <laughs> that sold me on 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 on, on the madness that, that's occurring um i think that would be hilarious uh, and, and and offer absolutely no explanation Mm-hmm. as to yeah. why it's just, <laughs> just this is just it um the poet's okay. life the old school romantics poet's life there you go <laughs> um so you grew up in 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 california yep. um but you ended up moving to i believe it was georgia yeah so yep, yep, what, yep. what brought you over to the east coast uh what brought me over to the east coast was the apocalypse called the recession i know <laughs> The political correct term is the Great Recession, and I will not say that because it will never be that for me. It will just be the recession. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, in that time, a lot of really bad financial stuff happened, and a lot of hearts were broken. And uh, the only option I had, uh, my family had at the time, was to move to Georgia. Um, I was, I had just, I was thirteen. I was about to turn fourteen. And uh, the Odyssey was, I mean, literally an Odyssey. Mm-hmm. That was the most uh, really harrowing stuff. And then when I moved here, it was not a pleasant experience. It was not a pleasant place I lived in. It was not a pleasant neighborhood. It was not a pleasant anything. I mean, a- anything. Um, but yeah, it was it was terrible, terrible finances. And that, I, if we're, we're talking creativity, it's really weird. But like I've noticed with with a lot of the stuff that I work on there's always something about that that move that is stuck in my stories or characters there's something surrounding that experience so that's like the scarring thing Mm. about me which and it's kind of funny because in in a way it's ever since that happened like I was I was sort of thinking the other day about the whole mythos of, of batman where you know it's like oh he's scarred because this horrible thing that's happened mm-hmm. and that was kind of you know pulpy as a kid and a teenager but the older i get i'm like no no i actually understand that that sense of this one moment this one thing that just haunts you mm-hmm. even if you don't understand it um so yeah that's that's the tragic story of of me that's changed me to be who i am right now yeah I mean, I understand that, and 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 in fiction, they call that the uh, well, at least in the Save the Cat universe, <laughs> they mm-hmm. call that the the shard of glass. Um, That's the, a name, or, or the I know, or or the uh, or the wound. Uh, in, in other, oh my gosh! In other, <laughs> in, I didn't other, know that. Yeah, in other in other um, creative art forms, they call it the wound. It's that like one defining thing that or event that sort of shapes us into the people that we're ultimately going to be and kind of haunts us for the rest of our, the rest of our eternity until we can ultimately reach uh, some level of, 
of change. If you well, if you follow the 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 hero's journey sort of perspective, you mm-hmm. know, you'll have your arc and you'll change and then it will no longer haunt you. But mm-hmm. you know, depending on what kind of story arc you have as a human being, um, will determine how that goes. But I, I definitely can understand that. I also, I mean, in in the psychology uh world that that trauma whatever that trauma may be holding you back or even if it doesn't hold you back um if it's just a sticking point Mm -hmm. in your life there's there's we all have them i think that we have i had a conversation with on another podcast that i was a guest on where we were talking about i think we have a tendency to deny our traumas um Mm -hmm. either because we feel like we don't have a right to feel that way or it's silly to to feel that way and so we oftentimes undervalid under undervalidate i guess if that's even a word um our our, our trauma and sort of sell ourselves short if you will mm-hmm. um as, as the right to feel what you feel so i mean you traveling from which i imagine was a was a was a jarring experience within itself right i mean culturally yeah. west mm-hmm. coast to east coast is a very different um, a different way of life uh, for people, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was that, but it was also, I mean, we had a small, uh, like, not not small, I guess it's just two vehicles, but this two-vehicle caravan and, like, no cash because it was this was, like, exodus. So <clears throat> it was not, we did not sleep in hotels. We slept in the car, <laughs> and that is a horrible experience. I do not recommend ever for anyone unless you are dead tired and the emotional problems and the, the context and where we were going and where we were leaving and why, and just, you know, the shame, the guilt, a lot of that stuff. So yeah, it's absolutely everything you're saying is like on point. You were traveling with your, uh, with your family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Was this like your, your parents or uh, you yeah, have siblings my, and things like that? Yeah. My parents and my siblings, um, and now those, I mean, that's, so we're talking like, you know, stuff that really changes me is that something that really, really hurt was the only, the reason I moved to Georgia was because of my grandpa, my, my, uh, father, excuse me, mother's father, but everyone that I knew, all the family I had was still back in California. Mm-hmm. So it was leaving them too, it was leaving everything that comes with that and as I came to Georgia you know everyone always had grandmas grandpas cousins and uncles and all that stuff all around them you know or just a few hours away from them and I had it on a basically a different planet Mm. and that that sense of loss um really really stuck with me and it wasn't until I was working on my main project that I've been working on for years now that I'm that I'm on the second draft of now that I I hadn't realized that was so scarring because I ended up when I was developing one character's backstory that became that same pain is what mm-hmm. I gave her and it was kind of by accident it was more like I was thinking about what what for her would make sense and all that stuff but it ended up being like oh it's it's me mm-hmm. <laughs> in in her and so yeah there's like you said, it's like a myriad of, of stuff going on that you can't really accept or you have to accept to really understand. 
but mm. you know how and why and you know it's a journey it is, <laughs> it's, it is. like you know they, they say that on, on tv and psychiatrists and stuff like that but it's like oh no it really is you it really is. sink your teeth into it yeah it's not a it's not a i mean mental health of any kind and 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 not just not just mental health, but just pure clarity of of self is not a is not a sprint. It's 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 a it's a marathon, and it takes a lot of a lot of self work. And it's funny because as as creatives and people who create art, so much of our trauma, so much of our our past, and the things that we think don't bother us bleeds into. The things that we create you said it yourself that mm. you know you created a character and you're halfway through and you're starting to realize oh wait a minute this is this is actually me uh and and i i, I find that about myself too um and for a while i thought that was kind of a weakness uh because <laughs> i kept feeling i kept feeling like i'm not creating anything good because or it's all the same because i feel like all the main characters that i make are some variation of me and my crap um and i've come to realize that it's better that it comes from that place than it is to um then then if i'm just ripping off stuff that i'm seeing in a movie or oh yeah uh, you know and it's a if, you know because if it comes from me then it's it's real it's a real this is something that somebody really dealt with this is a real experience i've i've grown to be able to sort of spread it out now so in other characters you know there are certain parts of me that may be in my protagonist but then there's also certain parts of me that may be in my antagonist or um the supporting character the love interest or so on and so forth so i've learned to sort of spread it out but i think it's a good thing that we learn that we have that outlet too yeah uh, i think it's really good that we have that so um before we move on to the to the next part i did want to say you, you said that when you were moving when you were moving across country you said there was the the shame and and all of that uh if you don't mind what what was like what was bringing shame was it shame for you did you feel shame or was it more like someone else in your family and they sort of projected that on you or um honestly it's it's probably both um hmm. because you know there's the 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 long story short to put it to put it bluntly is just money and mm. jobs and i was i couldn't work a job then yeah. i was too young yeah. so the only one who could support the time was you know parents and yeah. the defeat of a lot of situations just bears down on me it trickles down right and but more than that it was also this feeling of like shame of of, of just feeling like you screwed up because there's this this theory I mean even if I was just a kid but it was this theory of like could you have done something couldn't you have done some miracle something to save yourself from this fate because you can constantly look at everything that you could have done and there's technically stuff you could have done but not really but you make yourself believe that Sure. And it just, I mean, what, what what's really interesting is now I'm this, you know, lower class or lower middle class or whatever the thing is. But, right. you know, for, for my experience, I remember, you know, having 
zilch money during the recession. Like, not sure where meals were coming from, not sure about bills or any of that stuff, foreclosures, all of, of that stuff. But when I was a little kid, you know, I was more of the middle class. So I didn't have, you know, it was like, oh, that'll never happen. And then not the shame of becoming poor, but that shame of like being one of the lost people and, mm. and look how far you've fallen. And not just in, not in a sense of, that sounds very like social class. It wasn't about social class. It was that sense of safety net, mm. that sense of like, you're running out and you have nothing. And that, that was kind of what it felt. It felt like we weren't leaving as people, we were leaving as failures as thieves in the night that kind of which and it wasn't night. it was it was actually the afternoon that we left california but it was kind of like that feeling of like no one pariahs suddenly we we were people and then we were pariahs and actually on, on that note not to to pit myself out here or anything like that but there's one of my major comic book ideas i have um it's called giant steps and it's basically about a kaiju apocalypse from dystopia from the perspective of this refugee family in this kind of dystopia america transformed by all these kaiju but the main shtick of that story was characters who used to be people and over time have seen themselves as nothing but pariahs and exiles and losers and part of the character the character actually the whole piece in my head has been for them to see themselves as people again, as not just losers and low lives and all of that negativity. And that I will say definitely came from me. It took years after that trip and the move and the landing and all of that horrible stuff to see myself as more of a person and not just a problem or a loser or any of that stuff that came from the move. So that makes yeah. sense. I mean, it sounds it, it definitely sounds like there was definitely some rooted some rooted guilt in there too. Mm-hmm. And and whether that guilt was was justified or not, which to be completely honest, I, I, at least as far as based on the way that you're expressing it to me, plus, you know, with your age as well, it's it, it's it's I wouldn't say it's justifiable guilt because again, what what can, you know, you said you're about 13, 12, 13. 13. Yeah, it's like yeah what can a 12, 13 year old do to save his entire family from, you know, what feels like exile and, and, mm-hmm. and financially financial support, you know, sand, you know, besides maybe become like, I don't know, a YouTube star or something like that, which, which wasn't at possible time, at the time. Was, exactly. Which yeah. at the time wasn't even a possibility. Um, so yeah, th- there's limited, you, you, one, it's not even a child's responsibility to, to do that too, mm-hmm. the that feeling of, of of guilt that feeling of of you know i could have done more i should have done more it's the same it's ironic when you mention you know uh batman and we mm-hmm. talk a lot about how batman deals with the whole guilt of his parents death um not guilt but so much the anger of it but then there's also that subtle guilt that he that he feels as well but then the question becomes what could you have done differently mm-hmm. that you know yeah. there's nothing you could have done to, to make it different but it doesn't change how you feel and and so um keeping in mind also that being you know a 13 that's a that's in a way that's also kind of your formative years a little bit still and mm-hmm. and so for all of that that guilt that trauma that 
like you said, feeling like you're not even a person, which is, which I could imagine. I'm sorry you ever had to feel that way um, to, to deal with all of that at that pivotal point in your life of, of growing, learning, adapting, seeing how the world really is as opposed to mm-hmm. the way we imagine the world to be. Um, Cause when we're children, obviously we see the world as this magical place where, you know, anything is possible and everything's amazing. And at the end of the day, everything will be wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. At least most of us um, mm-hmm. by the end of a, by the end of 30 minutes and a credit uh, credit roll, we tend to believe that that's just kind of how the world works. Um, and then we become teenagers and we find out, life is a little bit more complicated than that. And even mm-hmm. then we still don't know the full extent of how complicated things can be, but to learn such such harsh lessons at such a young age, I would imagine that would be super difficult um, mm-hmm. to manage. So I, I understand that. And I applaud you for working through it and still, I imagine it's still probably some stuff you have to work through, but the fact that you're, you've taken the steps to do that, I applaud you for that. Um, would you state, would you feel that, uh, or sorry, would you say that you are a introvert? Um, no, no, I'm, I'm much more of an extroverted person, but it's, I'm a little bit of an introvert in the sense of I'm not, if I go to a party, I'm not gonna, you know, jump around, talk to people, all that stuff. I can, I'm not that kind of person especially as i get older i just don't have the energy emotional or physical or any of that Mm -hmm. but um but for me i'm especially just recently um hanging out with my best buddy for the weekend i'm definitely a person that i like exploring the world like going out and talking to people and seeing if i can talk if i talk to a random nice stranger at a store that's like point positive for my day um for me because i don't like being cooped up in a tower like rapunzel frankly um but but i'm but i'm also kind of you know an introvert in the sense of like all i need is like you know throw on some cartoons after work and just relax that's quiet myself i can be completely fine so i'm 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 an introverted extrovert i guess if that makes sense Definitely. I don't know if that is a technical term, but you know, I, I am what ambivert, I am. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I believe it's an ambivert technically. Ambivert. Um, okay. I think so. I like I said, I could be wrong, but I I think that's what it's called. Um, but that's awesome. That's I I know I personally am an introvert. I know this to my core. I think a part of it though is is a little bit more about uh, self conscious uh, or. Uh, just low self-esteem from time to time and because of that and also just i struggle with social anxiety really badly so mm-hmm. so the idea of interacting with people is is absolutely exhausting to me um but when i have to turn it on i can turn it on um, yeah I, I find that you know like for like just for this as an example we'll do this podcast and then after this I couldn't like do this podcast and then go do another podcast to go interview someone else. I just, yeah. I couldn't do that. I would have to just be like, no, I'll do this. And then I'm just going to check out for the rest of the day. Um, but I definitely, I can relate to, I feel like I used to be a lot more outgoing though than, mm-hmm. I, than I am now. Um, and COVID COVID really 
really changed a lot for me. Um, I agree for me too. How so? I just, I, it's the, so what really sucks about this, I've noticed this and I won't get into some sort of like cultural rant about it. I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll keep it clean. But for me, it's like, it was a horrible, horrible apocalyptic thing that we all dealt with. And around late 2021, it's like the entire culture decided, nah, we're done. We're done with that. And I'm like, people, are we not going to process a single damn thing? And I felt we never did. Right. And so there's there's a lot of that. Like now me and my brother will say things that's like, oh, yeah, that was pre, pre-pandemic, the old days, the before yeah. times. Yeah. And there's stuff like that of just in general with people that makes no sense to me anymore that it just i can't quite i'm getting better at it but there is still this feeling with people and stuff of all the horrible stuff that happened 2020 and 2021 and all that stuff it it just kind of shakes me up a bit i I haven't quite processed it i'm getting better i don't look at people and and have that context in my head as much anymore but it's still kind of in the background of like Hello, people. Apocalypse. Are we exactly? Are we going to talk about this? No, it's not. <laughs> Nothing changed. All right, let's just pretend we're all kumbaya and wonderful people here. But no, it's I'm getting better at it though. But well, I, but good. I see your point. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess it's the it's the collective theme of of, of this episode. Seems like, but trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you're exactly right. Like we went, we literally did go through a trauma collectively as a group. As, as a society, we all went through this traumatic experience where people were like people were dying by the hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. and and like people were really dying. And then on top of that, you had every um, disaster. Right. We, we had social social tragedies occurring. We had all kinds of crap happening left and right in this all within this bubble of this pandemic uh, this virus that was just taking us out systematically, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, for me during that entire time, I, I, I was, I trusted no one and mm-hmm. nothing. I like, I, I couldn't, I seriously, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to call it agoraphobia because I don't want to disrespect anybody else who, who struggles with that. But I feel that I, I I developed some sort of agoraphobia yeah. um, during it because I really would like my wife would want me to go places. I would not leave the house. I wouldn't go to any family events. I wouldn't go to, to the grocery. Like it, I actually didn't step foot into a store until I want to say last at the beginning of fall of last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I, 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 I wouldn't. I the most I got when I did get out of the house, I stayed in the car and I stayed there. Or if I had to go to the doctors, I went to the doctors, got back in the car, came back home. Other than that, I wouldn't go anywhere. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it it almost got to the point too where like I wouldn't even let my wife go anywhere because I was worried like if she went somewhere, she was gonna catch covid and then bring it back to me and i was gonna die and i was like nope you're not leaving no 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 yeah um so it's and just... i would i would add to that too i think what also comes with fear this is not very like zero boxy but like what comes with fear is also hate because mm. what started happening to me was that sense of of distrust and hate of just other people of other 
stuff, their actions, their everything. So like, I remember for me, I never really, really had that problem during 2020, but in 2021, I finally uh, went to Atlanta on a little break and everything was getting better. You could just feel it in the whole city. Everyone was just like, we did it. We did it. Mm-hmm. And then the next week was, that was when they introduced the second variant. And I remember when I went back home, I, I lived in a really horrible, horrible neighborhood. And I don't have that problem now, but for the longest time I did when I moved to Georgia, but I couldn't, that was when I couldn't go outside. I don't know what happened, but between there was something about hearing about the variant and living still there. I just couldn't go outside with the neighborhood. I just, I honestly was afraid constantly mm. from, I mean, my head, I had really terrible neighbors. So that is a part of it. But it was like, usually I never had that problem, but it did. It was like, it just boiled over. And for months, I was just genuinely afraid going outside my door. If I could get away from neighborhood, no problem. But there was that sense of living space that I couldn't escape from. And it was driven by heat. And I guess that's an interesting thing about trauma is that it's not, it's not just pain. It's a lot of other things that come sticking to those problems exactly i i completely agree with that i think um the entire and i also agree with the 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 hate coming with the fear because i i mean when i say that i struggled to leave the house there was the covid virus itself was problematic for me Mm -hmm. but then but then you started to see just people people's behavior the way people would act People, mm-hmm. some people's dis blatant disregard for the lives of of other people. Um, mm-hmm. The of course the 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 anti vaxxers versus the pro vaxxers, and then the George Floyd thing happened, and then and and then and just suddenly everybody's true colors kind of begin to yeah. show, and you just couldn't. And then suddenly I just started thinking, I can't stand humanity, and I don't want to be out amongst them at all like the only human i actually like right now is me and i don't i don't even know if i like him but for the (laughs) but but i like him more than i like them so i think i'll just stay in this little hole by myself um i mean i had beef with my own family from when it came down to the um to the uh vaccine uh where Mm -hmm. my 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 uh, my brother and my sister-in-law and them they 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 didn't want to take it and 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 my niece didn't want to take it and for whatever their reasons were and and I was like you know I refuse to see you if you don't do it cuz I don't I don't want to I I don't I'm vaccinated and I don't really want to do that and so I'm just bet it's better if I don't you know and and that became a whole thing where I didn't talk to them for a while and I don't even know why it became a thing because even if I didn't in a normal situation, I don't think I would normally behave that way. It's just with everything going on, it, it was just, it all piled up. So I can definitely yeah. see what you mean by that. Um, but with, in Jordan, you talk a lot about, you talked a little bit about, you know, your creative stuff. Um, and so in your home in no, it's not your hometown, but in the town in which you were living in, did you, you built a community for your, did you build a community for your creative stuff? And if so, how did you go about doing that? Um, kind of, um, I, I mean, 
I I wouldn't be messed up if I moved somewhere else, to be honest, if I landed somewhere else here. So I was not a particularly lucky person when it came to a lot of social uh, things. But I did get a little lucky in a lot of places. Um, mostly it was theater in high school. Mm. That was the saving grace. I've, I've, I've said this before, um, that the things in, in 10th grade of high school that saved me um, was a YouTube channel called Geekvolution, which was the first time I'd ever come across, you know, geeks talking about intellectual conversations and books and comics and writing, all that stuff. And that was a big thing that I became a little bit acquainted with the channel's founder and theater, because that was a huge thing I could, you know, be myself and be praised for being this clownish person. And I met a ton of people and I learned a lot about myself there. And um, Cowboy Bebop, that was the other thing that saved me. <laughs> those, I've said that those, those, the, oh, and um, the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, those were the series in 10th grade. All that stuff happened for me in 10th grade. And I've said before, I'm like, if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be here. And actually when I went to um, a convention, where um steve bloom who voices spike one of the main characters in cowboy bebop um when i met him i told him that and we connected on that because i was like if it wasn't for this show i wouldn't probably be standing here because i'd either be in prison or i'd be dead or i wouldn't even have the strength to be here talking to you so but yeah it but it, in terms of that it was it was theater because everyone in theater because it was my generation everyone was i don't talk you so we all talked about anime and we all talked about video games and we all connected on music and all that stuff. So mostly everyone I've ever, I'm still connect with or know comes from theater, especially um, when I went to college, it was theater. Um, Cause they're all, I mean, theater is, is the home of all the deviants, all the freaks, all the geeks, everyone all the minorities everyone there can just be there so i've always really felt welcomed by theater or anything to do with theater always was welcoming and educational for me and oh golly i need to get back to it i haven't done a, a play um since 2018 i just keep thinking lately i was like i need to do a play i really need to do a good play and meet some new people and stuff did you uh when you say do a play, were you uh, a playwright or did you act? What 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 would um, what was your like preferred? In, yeah, in high school, I did a little. I think I did a little ten minute short for this festival gig. Um, I wrote uh, a one act. I think it was a one act play, and I directed that. Um, like, holy crap! I remember the night the the night I premiered that that play uh was the day the sandy hook shootings happened oh, man. so this is like forever when i was in the dressing room talking to the actors i was like that's forever haunted in my brain i could literally see myself thinking about that and you know premiering some crummy little play one act play um so that's there's a trauma there yeah. but um for the most part no i was an actor i did i i've done acting um the the direction the directing stuff I've done has been short films and that area. The theater, um, mostly, um, almost exclusively has been acting. 
in some shape or another. When it comes to theater, and I, I want to ask you this because I've been recently looking to connect with uh, actors in the theater space. Mm-hmm. And before I I had mentioned this to someone else and they had said, be careful uh, going into the theater groups. They're very, very tight knit and they're not very friendly. Um, do you agree with that? Is that true? Is that, or is that like a, is that just this person's opinion and it's not a, a thing? I would say they're not wrong, but for me, it depends on the group because I feel some, sometimes you are a part, you are outside of a clique but in my because it's not a crazy it's not a crazy point especially if I go to a new theater I've never been to it's like you feel like you know if I wanted to feel this way I would just go back to work to feel <laughs> outsided about something yeah. and and the the twist especially and, and this is not like an ageist thing I, I don't feel this way but especially if you were doing a play with older people it's like they'll talk about whatever was on CBS in 1975. And you're like, I don't get that because <laughs> that was 1975. And it's not like a bad thing, especially because me, I have such old tastes in general, but like there, there is something like that. But for me, I would say the benefit is once you're a part of the clique and you can easily do it, you just kind of have to open yourself up and find who you kind of jive with. You'll easily get along with them and all, and I also also would say like it is kind of a personality thing so like the, the the 2018 play um good people never really had a problem with anyone um but there was one fella I was closer to than the rest because he was weird like me <laughs> his favorite movies was uh sound and music so there was a thing we had suitcases so backstage we were like I have confidence in sunshine <laughs> with the 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 sofa not sofa the the bags and he was like i want to read um origin of a species and all this stuff and he was a he was a vampire dude he was like a like graveyard shift on some job he always came back from uh from kroger so he he was always in his kroger uniform he would do the rehearsals and then he would do some sort of graveyard shift on some wacky job because he had just woken up it was nuts (laughs) but like that he was the dude i kind of more clicked with more than other people so it's kind of like a it's it's like a weird crew i guess you know it's like one of those like military crew movies where it's like clearly one group is closer to another but if you all jive together you're all together you know but but yeah it that that comment i think is very fair but i would say you can get it is clicky but i think as long as they're more open because some are some are more open than others they'll let you in and then you're a part of you know the group forever kind of a, <laughs> kind of a gig my my response to him was because I, I said I, di- I didn't know so i couldn't say for sure but I, I just i don't know i felt like we're as as human beings we're a social we're a social species and so mm-hmm. we have a tendency to migrate uh in herds if you will for lack of a better term and that yeah. just that, that kind of happens no matter where you go so i feel like the way he described it to me it felt like it's no different than any other 
thing that I've ever tried. Anything that, if, yeah. that involves having a community, it, they're always kind of like that. Like you said, there's kind of it can be kind of clicky, but more often than not, some I do know that there's some communities that are more open to yeah. letting new people in than others. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's it, I I said as long as it's not like uh, an Ivy League school type of yeah. environment where it's like these posh individuals who look down on you for being an uncultured swine or whatever, you know, like that, that I feel like you can get in where you fit in. So it, yeah. it, it makes complete sense to me. Um, so on a positive, positive note, we're going to take a, 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 a brief detour. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. If you could remake one movie or one franchise, what would it be? Oh, <sighs> That that's I mean I talk about this all the time because I have like a bazillion different interpretations, um, but I, yeah yeah I would still say I I would still say even after all this time it's still Titan AE I still I still joke about him like I want I'm like Disney Plus hire me Titan AE live action miniseries remake from the the two thousand movie. And which is, and again, it's funny because I, I, oh, I can't stand the live action remakes of animation. I, I, I can't, I can't stand it one, one iota, one bit. I find it to be such an insulting, demeaning, horrible thing. Um, but with Tiny Yi, you can't, you know, that, that was pretty much basically meant to be a live action movie anyway. But, and, and, you know, I actually got to see that with my dad um in 2000 i'm one of the few people who actually got to see that in the theaters mm-hmm. so i have an attachment to it um but so i don't want to like step on toes or anything but the thing is is that that movie it's really good but it just there's always a better movie in my head mm-hmm. there's always a better more thrilling more fascinating more uh, original piece and there's like there's a lot of production history for that movie of why it ended up being what it was and yada 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 but um, but I still feel I have all these different ideas. I'm like, I think you could make such an interesting take on kind of the main thing with with that movie that really interests me is like there's a line one of the characters says where the human race is out of gas. And that just really interests me of an entire species of people being, you know, like we're talking about exiled from Earth because Earth is destroyed and brought into the real world into the real universe with all these different species and they're losers they once were mighty now they're losers and the the desperation of of trying to find a home for themselves and that just really speaks to me and and it's funny too in recent months holy crud there has been such because part of me is like okay why would you want to remake tiny who cares how does that gain and what does that gain for anyone but then netflix is the sandman adaptation came out mm-hmm. which was brilliant I love and then Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I got, was lucky enough to see in the theater, which was probably my favorite movie of last year. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's not directly a remake of Disney's Pinocchio, but if you listen to del, del Toro talk about it and you could just see it, it's more or less kind of a remake of that one. And that one is just insanely, just really hit, just insanely good. It hit me hard. And then... Um, HBO's The Last of Us adaptation, which I really resisted because I adore that game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And I saw it and I was like, this is brilliant. This is just, it, it 
it's brilliant. It's a beautiful companion piece of the game. And I'm like, wow, adaptations actually have power. Like mm-hmm. there actually really is value, artistic, human, soulful value in reinterpreting and looking back on old stories. It doesn't have to be some streaming websites, march of the capitalist dollar bills or anything. It really can be something of value. So now, now my thinker tiny isn't just like, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. Now I'm like, no, no, there's real power we can we can find here. So I do I doodle that. I'm just I am just waiting on my Disney Plus call <laughs> eventually one day. And they're like, you want Star Wars? I'm like, no, no. Tiny E, give me the tiny E. Seven episodes. I don't give it. I don't care. Just give it to me. No, that's what I want. Uh, I think the last time we had this conversation or, uh, and I asked that question, I think my side, I said, I think I said Back to the Future. Yes, yes, because I thought that was a smashing idea. And I don't, so, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, I, no. I don't know if I told you this, but I told my sister that. And she's like, that's a great idea. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely, I, I still want to do it. I still would love to do a Back to the Future. And I wouldn't even want to remake it. I would just want to mm. add on to it. Like I would, I would, I would want Back to the Future 4 to be, um, many years in the present and you know i don't know marty has since junked the the delorean or or mm-hmm. you know left it in some uh what is one of those uh, storage trailers mm-hmm. and our protagonist and his father they go um what is it uh storage storage auction hunting or mm-hmm. whatever and they end up getting the delorean and our protagonist ends up going back in time, stuck in Jim Crow era or the civil rights era, and tries to either A, stop the assassination of Martin Luther King or some major event. And I I, I just, I don't know, I keep seeing that over and over again, and I, I feel like I just have to do it. But since our last conversation, I've also decided that if I had to remake or reboot or do a a prequel to something i would Mm. also do the jeffersons Mm -hmm. and i would do the jeffersons in the sense that i would turn it into a drama Mm. and i would make it about um george jefferson becoming before he becomes the person that's that has moved on up um Mm. and sort of the the opening of the the laundry mats and all that and kind of do like a uh a billions uh, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Billions, but um, turn into like Billions or Succession type of story that is mm-hmm. all about him becoming the person that he ultimately becomes. And I would, I'm, I'm super excited about the possibility of doing that. And I, I mean, I might even write a pilot just on spec, just because um, mm-hmm. either that or I'd write Back to the Future for just on spec, just to get the idea out mm-hmm. of my head. Oh. And, and and again, it's like I said, I'm like, that that sounds great. It has value. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I, I'm going to bullet, I'm going to matrix bullet dodge this topic, but I'm still <laughs> going to say it. You know, let's remake Harry Potter. Let's do more Lord of the Rings stuff that doesn't really care about Tolkien's world. And let's today I just saw like, we're going to make a Twilight spinoff show. And I'm like, or 
or you could do what you just said you know jefferson's prequel there's there is more stuff people there oh i swear but anyway anyway they're smashing ideas though thank you thank you thank you very much um so back to let's get let's get deep again um (laughs) how how comfortable are you with you first as a person how comfortable do you feel with yourself um, you know, if, if, I, if I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest, um, I'm not, I'm not pleased with myself because, especially because I just turned 28 and I just sort of feel like I should be doing so much more and not in the sense of like comparing myself to, to anyone, but just this feeling of like, you know, tick 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 mm-hmm. and just this feeling of like i should be doing something more and not even in terms of success i mean just i mean just old school bible be the light of the world and i just don't do that and i just in general i'm not happy with myself because i feel i don't do enough i i'm should be more than what i am but really what i am is kind of like this this is going to really say exactly what I am, but just kind of like a lost boy who got trapped on earth. Mm. And I don't mean the sense of like Neverland per se, but just like, you know, you think I'm a lost boy. I'm going to be in Neverland. That's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, oops, I'm stuck on earth. The hell am I supposed to do? Um, And that disappoints me. But I will say the more I interact with people, the more I interact with my family, the more I grow, the more I learn about myself is I'm not really all that great a person, but boy, howdy, am I me reaching the bare minimum and a lot of people don't reach the bare minimum. Mm. So that's, you know, that's kind of where I encourage myself as I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly pleased with myself. I'm like, but you know what though? at least I don't act like all these other people do who have treated me badly right. or disrespected me or any of that nonsense. So that's, that's kind of how I view myself. And when you say that you feel like you could be, or you should be doing more, do you mean altruistically? Do you mean in the sense of accomplishments? Um, I think both but I think it leans more towards altruism. Like, unfortunately, you know, so I went to the most ghetto, horrible high school in mm-hmm. the world. So like in Pink Floyd's The Wall, where the Scott goes, you know, you laddie, stand still. That triggers me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I can't hear that song without thinking back to one particular event, but several particular events in that high school. It just... You know, my 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 best buddy is from, we went to the same high school together. So whenever we meet, it's like prison, you know, prison mates still looking back on the time served. So, you know, the reason I bring that up is that one of the things that I was trying to get through, as I said, once I'm out of high school, I'm going to be like the biggest film guy in the whole world. And you're all going to be sorry that you ever did this to me and I'm going to be blow this whole popsicle stand away. And that was what I did to, you know, keep myself through stuff. 
and I've done I've done a few things. You know, I haven't not done a few things. Otherwise, I wouldn't really be here. But <laughs> in general, though, I was just you know, for me, I'm like, I'm 28. I should be at a certain point now, or else it's never going to happen. But more than that it ties into altruism because even from when I was in high school and you know, very, very naive age, I always had the dream of like, I'll have all this money and I'll do all these good stuff. You know, I'll, I'll tip the waiters 50 bucks. I'll, you know, do all of this good stuff, use that power for good. So mainly it really does tie into my, to altruism that I wish I did more because for me, you know, I, I am a firm believer that, that we are just lost in a very, very shadowy world. And, you know, we got to take care of each other because no one else will. And we have to fight against the really bad people, which, you know, I hate saying that because then it sounds like, oh, you mean the minorities I don't agree with. No, grandma. No, I mean the real people <laughs> who are hurting people, you know, any people. And... I just feel a couple, even a couple years back, I felt I was doing more for that cause, but now I'm not doing more for that cause. Cause you, you know what I mean? Like all the, those people online who are like, we should do this. And this is really bad. It's like, great. That post doesn't mean Jack anything, mm-hmm. do something. Oh, and that, that I feel disappointed in myself. I feel personally, I don't do enough in that regard. I, I can understand that. I, I definitely can understand that. And I wish <laughs> I wish that I was more selfless. Yeah. Uh than I am. And I, I, I told I told my performance coach this before, my mentor, uh whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. um, that if I'm being completely honest, I find that I tend to be a lot more selfish than I care to admit more in the sense that like I created the, the, the mentally ill filmmaker brand for the sake Mm of documenting my journey to try to become a professional filmmaker while dealing with mental health, but also for people who struggle with mental health and mental illness to be able to see that this can be done and, and that you don't have to, sort of sit in all of the things that hurt and are destroying you and that you can still do the things you want to do. And and I want to try to help people to live an intentional life. And this is the close, closest I can get to that. But mm. outside of that, there is very little that I find myself doing either for helping things. But I, I think it's partially because I find that I'm, I think I'm too, in the middle on a lot of stuff. Like when you talk about um, social issues and things like that, that are happening in the world, I have a tendency to kind of see things from multiple perspectives. So it's very difficult for me to pick a side and therefore difficult for me to feel like I can do something about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's not so much that I don't care as much as it's like, I see why these group of people feel the way that they do. And I can also see why these group of people feel the way that they do. And 
therefore I don't really feel like I need to or should do anything about it. It's kind of let it do, you know, I think it's better left to people who have strong standpoints on these matters and really want to do something about it. Um, and I'm not one of those people. I think that I, I like to blame that on being a writer in the sense that because as writers, our jobs is to be more of observers in, in society than it is to be actors. Um, mm-hmm. and so at least that's my perspective of it. That I don't think that necessarily is true for everyone. But mm-hmm. for me, I've always looked at being a scribe as our job is to observe, not necessarily to interfere. And maybe that's just a thing I tell myself so that I don't have to, but I, I, I don't know. I think I can definitely understand where you're coming from in the sense that feel like you should be doing more. You could be doing more as far as where you are in the world or where you are in the process, or if you, if it's going to happen for you, it would have happened for you by now type of yeah, thing Yeah, that I, I've, I've been there too. Um, I also, I, I think I've stopped doing that more in the sense that I recognize that it can happen for you at any time, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are in life, it can happen. If you keep putting stuff out and you keep putting yourself out, eventually something will happen. It may not be what you envision in the mm-hmm. sense, like I may not, you know, I was, you said that, you know, you knew left high school and helped you get through it was, you know, I'm going to be the big Hollywood guy and I'm going to do all that. You know, mm-hmm. I had the exact same thing, except I wasn't talking about, um, film i was (laughs) i told my teachers and anybody who would listen that the next time they see me will be on bet because i will be a rapper and i will be the greatest rapper to ever rap in the history (laughs) that was like my (laughs) that was my entire thing and so i i i understand that that thought process and it, it really pushed me to sort of get through the the tough shit you know and i imagine that it was the same for you yes and oh no, I was just agreeing with you. No, I mean, like, would you agree that it was? Oh. It was one of those things that sort of helps you get through. Yeah. The yeah. the the tough time, the bullying, the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologize for the confusion, but yeah, no, no. because because it's like you gotta you gotta believe that you're not everything they say. I mean, that's it, it's kind of interesting. I I haven't really mentioned this in a long time, but I've I've been a lifelong Spider Man fan. Like the shelf behind me has a whole Spider Man section. There's a whole thing with that. Oh, I love Spider Man. With yeah, but the <laughs> thing for me is, is I, I won't get into the long disagreements I've had with a lot of the comic book stuff in recent years. Um, you know, for those who know Spider Man, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's one more day, but mm-hmm. moving on. Um, but the thing that always really struck me with that story that series the reason why it meant so much to me as a as a preteen and as a teenager was just the sense that you know in high school you know you go to school go to all the stuff and everyone thinks i'm a piece of trash but when i got home i could read the spider-man comics and he was going through the exact same thing being pushed around by money by people by all this stuff but he was really a hero like a really good person and and so for me that's really what i took on especially because because i was in theater it was this feeling of like yeah this is what you see but in reality i believe i'm this which is which is partially it's bravado you know and it's something that of course a teenager who's trying to learn who they really are 
will do. But yeah, there is something about that that you just have to sometimes not not pretend. Um, because pretend has in that sense kind of has that sense of lie, but I would say make believe. Because mm-hmm. when you make believe as a kid, you really are an astronaut, a knight, a wizard, whatever you're doing, a dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of like that. So the last short film I did, you know, there was oh, there are all these problems, like you know, a giant diesel truck is in the middle of the set. What the fuck? You know, <laughs> all these problems I had to deal with and figure out, and you can either panic or do what i did which is i'm like well i'm a director i'm going to convince myself that's what i am so i'm going to problem solve and keep calm so it's the same thing yeah it was just like you know with spider-man where it's like what is it um amazing fantasy 15 you know the world may mock peter parker but they don't know that really i'm (laughs) spider-man and it's it's that same thing for me of like trying to believe not something I'm not, but I be- I believed I was something I could be, right. and that's what got me a lot through through high school with the bullying and stuff like that. It's like they don't really know who I am. So yeah, it it totally makes sense. What you what you what you mean? Yeah, and I, I mean, I yeah, I agree with that. And 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 the the makes what really makes sense too and speaks to me in, in ways that you can never understand or maybe you can't understand but 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 just more than you could ever imagine is the i can be that you know they don't know who i really am or what i can really be and when you say you're not pretending to be in the sense of you know they talk about developing a habit or how developing habits works in the sense of when you begin to imagine yourself as the person or begin to believe that you're the person you want to be and you live life accordingly that is who you ultimately become identity is who we choose to be so at the mm-hmm. end of the day when you tell yourself i am a director even if you haven't directed anything you're a director because you said so that's 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 yeah. you you believe it and you act accordingly so i i totally get that when i talk when we talk about comfort though and we talk about comfort within yourself and now i also want to know are you comfortable with yourself as an artist how do you feel about yourself as an artist? Um, to that end, I I feel not pleased with myself because it's the same thing. It's like I should have not just a business card, but an assortment of business cards. And I should have my own studio that has all of this stuff. And I should have this and that. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm not pleased with myself because I have it. I won't say professional so much as I can tangibly show people what I'm about um, more easily, I think. So basically for me is another another big dream is I want to go to a convention and I want to sell stuff or I want to be a guest at a convention. Like that's peak. Everyone's like, you want an Oscar? I don't want an Oscar. I want to be invited to a convention. That's the shindig. <laughs> that's the thing for me. But, you know, like, I want to do that, and I haven't reached that point yet. But at the same time, the past few years, I have become much, so much more confident with myself on understanding of problem solving, of editing, sentence structure, character development, all of that stuff. I can just do it so much, um, not faster in terms of bam wham but more like faster is and it's not a slow process over months but i can do it 
easily, you know, smoother um, of developing all of the stuff and, and pushing myself and trying to find new things. So I'm even doing that now where I'm taking uh, clips and sound bits and music bits from all sorts of media to try to create a, like a, a make-believe trailer for this big budget film idea I have because I want to express to people the vibe mm-hmm. I'm looking for. And I've never done that before, ever. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. And I almost quit, but I didn't quit. And now I'm almost done with it, Nice, which is insane. Cause I'm like, wow, I've never done that before. And now I learned, now I know I can do it. And that's something I never had when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, it was like, yeah, I'm going to try to write this. And oh, it's in... and then it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Now, because of all the training, um, personal, formal, et cetera, I can do a lot of stuff like that. So for me, it makes me happy. So for me, like I won't, I won't get into it because again, this is like one of those dodging rant stuff, but I the TV spots and the promo material for the Mario movie doesn't doesn't intrigue me, mostly because it just feels like the the rich snobbish kids on the playground who took over the jungle gym are saying this is the mario movie and we're on the grass going no it's not <laughs> kind of the thing but i was telling my brother this i'm like dude i can easily make a better mario movie than that and i pitched to him like what the first act would be and he's like yeah that's really good and i'm like yeah because i figured it out and it, and i'm not like so tooting my own horn and saying like i'm better than everyone that's not my point my point is when i was younger as a as an artist as a writer and filmmaker it was kind of kind of had the skill but now honed over years i know i have the skill i know i can do it and i know if i can't do something i can learn it i can try and learn it and and be better and that that part of myself as an artist i'm so much more proud of i'm, I'm that's I love hearing that. That that's amazing. One, I'm I'm proud of of the of the, of the, the concept trailer you're doing and, and all of that, and just the the positivity because I I hear you, I hear you, and and I validate everything you're saying when you say that you're not necessarily where you want to be professionally in the sense mm-hmm. of you know being like you said invited to Comic Con or or any kind of convention for that matter, and 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 being a guest or something like that. You're not there where you want to be and that's fine that's that's fine but to be able to say what i don't know how to do i can learn and the amount of things that i've managed to do from just five ten years ago Mm -hmm. uh, is incredible to be able to be proud of yourself as far as that goes is amazing i I think that's 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 incredible i think I, i wish i wish i was where you are in that regard in the sense that being super proud of the progress you've made i think i don't know maybe i think that as a writer that's something that i think sticks with all of us um a little bit is that constant that little voice in the back of your head that's always like am i good enough um you know and so i've when it comes to screenwriting i write all the time and and people tell me i'll have people say you know this is really good this is really great or this is whatever and i'm like oh this is i'm like thank you and but then there's that part of me that's like, though, am I still, you know, I'll read a, a, a screenplay uh, or a screenwriting book and they'll talk about like amateurs do this. And I'm like, am I an amateur? You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know exactly how that feels. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So or, then, like, or then you compare yourself to someone that you really admire and you're like, crud. Yeah. yeah. Like I was watching, um, I was watching the West Wing 
uh, yesterday, and uh, and then I and then I switched, which which is a fantastically written show. I, I don't know why I like The West Wing so much. Um, I don't really care about politics all that much, and I don't, you know, especially politics in a dramatic, uh, dramatic, dramatized way. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, I love that show. And then I put on The Wire, and I was watching that, and I was just like, and I was like, this was after a day of editing my my pilot and and all of that, and I was super proud. I'm like, this is great. This is probably one of the the best pilots I've ever written, and I'm super proud of this. And then I go and I watch The Wire, and I'm like, I'm shit. I'm absolute garbage. <laughs> oh. I will never oh, be. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like that 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 kind of thing. And I, and I wonder. I don't know if that ever goes away. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. if that's something that like because I've heard people that have won awards, like you know, Golden Globes and stuff like that, talk about how they still doubt themselves. And I'm like, well, if if you've won, even though I, you know the awards may not necessarily mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but if you've won the stuff that is typically critically acclaimed as as the the sign that says you're great, mm-hmm. and you still wonder if you're good, then I, I'm, I'm my guess is that you'll all, we're always going to sort of have that little bit of doubt in the back of our head. Yeah. Um, and I I think it I, I was sort of thinking about this earlier today, but I, in my it might really be a good thing and not in the sense of like punishing yourself. You don't want to constantly be whipping yourself on the right. back. That's, that's too much, but that sense of you're constantly checking yourself and, and making sure it's kind of like, it's like a car, right? And you get a brand new car. You're never not going to tune it up. You're never going to get oil. Never like, oh, I don't need the oil change. I don't need to wash it. And I feel like, and then, you know, it's going to break down. And so I feel like it's kind of like that. Like maybe what it is, is you're checking on yourself rather than just letting things fall apart, I guess. So, And again, it can be a negative thing, certainly. But maybe you're right. Maybe there is kind of a positive thing to it of, of making sure you're tuned up and strengthened up right. and all the corners are checked and stuff. Exactly, exactly. Um, as a person, as a person of color, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious as to how do you choose to, how do you navigate the creative waters, working with others, working on projects, things of that nature. As a person of color, how much of your identity um, plays a part in all of that for you? Um, for me, what it ultimately ends up being is making sure that I'm understood and appreciated and equaled to everyone else and to everything else as a brown guy. Um, so for for the you know for just as a listening thing, so my mother's white and my dad is brown. And his his parents, my grandparents, are from Puerto Rico and Mexico. So that's all of my ancestry, you know, Caribbean and Mexico, Aztec, all that stuff. And for, but where, and I grew up in California, it was bunch, we always see like a bunch of Mexicans. There's Vallarta's everywhere and carne asada and tequila and all that stuff. And I grew up with my, that, my father's side of the family way more than my mother's side. And I have dark skin and so that is what I am and the the thing is though 
I, it always really felt different because like I remember in first grade I was like well I'm not black and I looked at this kid I was like oh so I'm white my mom's like no no you're not white you're brown I was like but media said there's only one or two so <laughs> what what am I and as I got and then I you know in my you know the south and my horrible high school and place I mean I will never ever forget this everyone always asked me what are you and I just it, it tore me up I mean what are you I mean imagine being a teenager asking what are you because basically with me you know I don't talk like Speedy Gonzalez I don't talk like anything and I don't you know I have the mustache and I have the skin of a Latino but the rest of me is, is different I guess people in their ignorance were just like what is he where is he come from and they were never happy unless I said Mexican so I just said Mexican because it was just the closest thing to get them off my back but there was just this constant feeling of being alone just being isolated and the you know even to this day I'm usually the only Latino in a room you know at a party or anything and there's all those preconceptions and um it wasn't until I read um, The Brief Wonder's Life of Oscar Wilde by Gino Diaz, and that was in 2016, that I read, and that's about Dominicans, um, excuse me, to be fair, but it, it felt, feels a lot like a lot of my experiences. First of all, that book is a masterpiece. I wrote my thesis paper on that book. I can go on and on and on and on about that book, but that's a conversation for another day. But the thing is, that book made me realize i'm like oh i hate myself i hate mm. myself for being brown i hate myself for being latino i wish i was white i wish i was anything but what i am and i realized that that i had all of this hatred for myself that came from my my town my the culture i was living in the, our present society and the media and all that stuff so from then on what I started doing was I'm like, I'm not going to make myself feel invisible or, or for not invisible, but forgotten and not shown. So one of the big things, interestingly enough about 2016, when I got that book and started reading that book, um, Star Wars Rogue One came out and that starred Diego Luna, a Mexican with his accent. I remember being in the theater going, he has a Mexican accent. And it was the damnedest thing I'd ever seen and it was incredible and for the record the new show his show Andor mm -hmm. oh my goodness gracious same thing I'm like there's this dude this brown dude with an accent and he just gets to be a character he just gets to be an actor he's not a legal immigrant he's not a drug lord he's not a poor sad loser he's not a um a deviant in a, a social you know the law way he's just a guy and that was the most incredible thing. And that's when I started, which, which is funny too, because I also was a huge, and still am, a huge fan of the new, the 2000s Battlestar Galactica. And that starred Edward James Olmos. So it was the same thing, that sense of like, I want to create stories and be in stories and be myself when I'm doing an actor or a role or a character, something like that, that stars... Latinos and Hispanics, and we're just people. We are the center stage, but we're just people. 
with a variety of different um, feelings and thoughts and shapes and sizes and skin colors and skin tones and blemishes and hairs and all that stuff, but we're not the same illegal immigrants or immigrants or, you know, any, you know, criminals or any of those same continual problems. Cause that's when I realized it's like, I hate myself for being brown. But after I read that book, I was like, no, my, my skin's beautiful. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to express in a lot of my stuff. So for one of the projects I'm working right now, each of the individual stories, there's six, I wanted to star a Latino or Hispanic. And I did, doesn't matter what, what the situation is, science fiction, fantasy, horror, whatever it may be. I want them to be a center stage. I want them to just be people and their own characters. Cause that's something I just feel I don't see a lot. You know, every time there's a character like that, you know, they're always the same, the same. They're not the people I grew up with in California. They're not the people that I know. They're not me. And I don't appreciate that because I feel it's from a, from a media and a culture that not a culture, but like the higher society that doesn't understand us. So they just throw it on, just throw it on. And I don't appreciate that. Um, and also, I mean, lately with a lot of the stories, goodness gracious me, it's getting better. <laughs> we are getting better at it. Everything ever all at once I saw in the theater before it became a huge thing. And I was saw that and I was like, this is amazing. And the same thing with Black Panther, both Black Panthers. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I'm watching these, these two stories and I'm like, it can be done. It yes. really can be done. You can have, you know, different people and minorities and, and people of all the world be center stage. And it doesn't have to be the same narrative all the time. It doesn't have to be a poor me story or a shameful story. It could be something just really damn awesome. And that's what I've been trying to pursue for a long time and all the stuff that I do. I, I love that. I, I hope I answered the question. I got lost definitely. a little bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's perfect because it's 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 definitely exactly what I was 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 asking. And and more so, it's super enlightening as well as it's it's comforting to hear that because I believe, you know, before I, we've had this conversation and, and I, I opened up to you as well about the fact that I felt the exact same way you did. I growing up, I would watch television and movies and things like that and see people that looked like me, but the people that I saw that looked like me were always, shoved into these little boxes of either mm. a slave or gang member or some sort of criminal um and or some sort of position of servitude and that was or, pretty or much... even like the sexiest person in the room which is completely unattainable right, right as well no. yeah exactly it, yeah exactly so it, especially when you um when you talk about the african-american um image there's either the there's either the the stereotypical um slots or then there's the the objectification uh thing when it comes to african americans of you know the the tall dark and, and usually even the tall dark and handsome even back then wasn't necessarily speaking about black people but um when it did include black people in that conversation it 
was more of the you get the Morris Chestnuts or Chest whatever his name is, um, or the you know people like that or Tay Diggs and these really really attractive African American men, and that that mm. was the standard of 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 what you know and anything that wasn't that was dismissed or 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 some side part, and it really led me to hate myself as well. I hated my mm. own skin color. I wanted, I hated not only that, I hated my own skin color, but then I agree with you. I also, I also, I'll take it one step further. Not only did I hate not being white, I hated white people for making me hate being mm. black. So yeah. I, like, which is was, it's problematic. I can acknowledge, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's understandable I understand. I choose to grant grant myself grace in the sense that I understand where that thought process has come, and it's something that has driven my creativity as well to create protagonists that are. I believe we talked about this off off of the podcast. We talked about this uh, a while back when we were talking about um, the types of stories I write. And majority of the stories that I write, my protagonists are African American, simply mm-hmm. because I. I don't believe in the monolithic view that black people can only be one type of thing. And the same goes for with what you're talking about, people who are um, Hispanic or um, or just all people of color that we don't, yeah. for some strange reason, we, we they, they've lumped each group of us into our own stereotypical thing. And yeah. then anytime we try to sort of break out of that, it's either not, publicly it's not i wouldn't say publicly it's not like a mainstream thing it's oftentimes kind of a, a cult classic type of yeah thing or or it's just or it just doesn't last very long mm-hmm. um and and so that when you mention things like um the movies you mentioned uh everything um what's it everything all at once everything ever everything all, everywhere at all at once yeah which i've seen uh which is fantastic i agree with that as well as um you mentioned Andor and and the Black Panther films are all prime examples of that. Um, there, but then there's just even smaller things like I was watching the uh, the Best Man or was it the, the Best Man reunion or something like that. Um, which normally I don't really like that kind of stuff, but I thought it was really really awesome and and I thought they did such a great job with the, the production value of it, the the level of the way it looked, the the kind of budget that they seem to have put into that seems like they genuinely cared about the cast and the audience and what they were yeah. trying to put out. And, and and it wasn't about these, these African-Americans being gangsters or, or criminals or anything like that. This, these were just regular everyday American working individuals. I mean, they weren't really regular. I mean, they were fairly wealthy, but mm. regardless, I, I'm, I'm loving to see the changes that are happening. And I think that our generation of, of creativity um, or of creatives is going to bring in this new diverse and I know diverse tends to be kind of an ugly word mm-hmm. um, or at least it tends to get mocked a lot as a, it, yeah. it's, it's cool to mock it now when people say diversity which is mm-hmm. weird but I think diversity with true intention I think yeah. is, is is really big for us now so I love that that's something that you're actually trying to do more of um, I will ask you this what is the lesson that you had to learn the hard way? Um, so th- this is this was actually something really um, important that because 
I remember in the 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 last episode interview that we did, I said mm-hmm. the lesson I heard learn the hard way is that it doesn't matter how much you've worked, no matter how much you have, things can just go wrong and you just don't succeed. Mm-hmm. Which is true. And that that is true. And, and I talked about that there. But it's interesting in between then and now, I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that I'd moved to a new place, I mean, really does tell you how quickly things can change. Right. Is and this has been going on with me lately, but this is a weird thing. But my the thing I would say is I've learned the hard way is that there despite everything that's that's said against the point there actually are people who love me mm-hmm. and that has been a really hard hard lesson to learn because i mean there's so much to go on but you know w- one of the things one of the reasons why i adore the last of us is when i played that game the first time there's a line one of the characters says and i might be saying it slightly wrong here but she says, everyone I've ever loved has either died or left me. And I remember playing that and it just tore, tore me up because I just, I just felt that way. Just so much of my life, I feel the people have just, they're like, <laughs> it's like that, like, uh, like the Toy Story 2 meme. Oh, I forgot you're broken. I don't want to yeah. play with you anymore. It's like that. And I've had that happen to me and I've had people just, you know, go away forget about me throw me away discard me and it it has torn me up so when people you know will show me affection or that they love me i'm like i mean yeah but you know there's a condition and that's a complicated situation but just past uh, past month i've just been thinking about that and i'm like you know i think when when my best friend says that, I think he might actually mean it. And I think when my mother says that, that she's not upset with me for not for me not being what I want to be, she might actually be telling the truth. And that's been a really, really tough, tough thing for me to learn. But I'm it's something I guess I'm learning now the hard way. Because and I say hard way, because the arguments and storm in my head of of doubt and and disagreements and debate you know against like pink floyd's the wall with um the the trial you know it's all in his head it's it's like that um but that's that's something now i feel i've been learning that's been really tough to learn but i'm slowly slowly picking up the fact that when someone says i love you they might actually be telling the truth and that's Mm -hmm. It's been difficult because, you know, you got to build the walls. You got to build the walls. You got to keep alive and don't let anyone. What is it? Joni Mitchell said, if you care, don't let them know. Don't give yourself away. But I'm coming close. That's 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 beautiful. That's beautiful that you're that you're reaching that level of. That level of evolution. Mm -hmm. And doing that again, every time I, I speak to you, I find. I find that we have a lot in common as far as how we see the world, how the world, how we sometimes see, think the world sees us, as well as just how we navigate through it. I think that that is, I, I struggle with some of the similar things you're speaking about. People that are, you know, when you, do people really love me? And if they do, 
you know, I tend to think that uh, my mind comes from this, this sort of crystallized version of myself that I consider to be self-awareness. I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm not exactly 100% accurate in what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. I'm but I'm also not self-aware enough to, to be able to get past the fact that is it my dislike of myself that makes me think other people can't like me? Or mm-hmm. is it just a matter of that, genuinely speaking, people, maybe people just don't like me. And I, like I said, I, I believe that I'm self-aware enough to know that that's a, that's, that it's a distinct possibility that it could just be me and my own shit. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm projecting. Um, but then there's also the possibility that it might not be, and I may just not be that likable, but <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. And I see you when you say, when you say what you're saying, because it, 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 it speaks to me in ways that you, you cannot imagine. And and I appreciate you saying that. I also appreciate your, your vulnerability. Um, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. So I can appreciate that. Um, getting into the, the, these last few questions that we have are the questions that I generally try to ask every guest, because I'm always interested in, in, in their perspective on it. Um, the first one being to be a storyteller, one must explore different worldviews other than their own. Um, how do you expand upon yours? I research and more importantly, I listen and because I was, I was just recounting this to you that one of one of the problems I had um, in high school because I was I was lonely. I mean, I was one of those kids. I mean, I I had a few friend groups, or, or not a few friend groups, a few a few social bits, but mainly I was alone. And that was when I got my first computer. And this was in the old days of YouTube. So what does a film nerd and a geek do? <laughs> He finds all the horrible film people who are mainly, you know, Gen X, white males of the middle class who, you know, like it sucks. I just had on Aliens and I'm like, I love Aliens. This is like one of my favorite movies ever. But I always am careful to say that because I don't want to come across, come off as like a dude, bro, you know, with (laughs) Aliens, even though I love Aliens. But it's one of those things, you know, these, you know, you know. So it's just those kinds of, of people. And not like, you know, oh, if everyone is a white male, no, it's not that. But you know what I'm saying. It's I like there are people who just of any of any association, they go, here's my stamp. That's why I am. I'm like, where's your humanity? But mm-hmm. anyway, but unfortunately, at that impressionable age, I took a lot of their comments very seriously as the word of God about art, about music, about all this stuff which was terrible because it all a lot of times went against what I said. And so what I started, but in recent years, you know, I don't believe in it now, but one of the reasons why is I started listening to other people. So my best friend, holy crud, he and I have the most disagreeing opinions all the time. (laughs) He will say stuff and I'm just like, oh man, if you weren't my punch you in the face <laughs> you know not really but it's like you're nuts what are you talking about what, this, this is a great song this is a great anime what are you talking about but i you know i started learning that because just because people have different opinions doesn't mean they're stupid right and they can still be passionate about it and if you sit and listen you'll learn stuff 
that you never would have learned, you never would have tried. And so with him, he's really, really into um, a band called Dance Gavin Dance. And he showed me it, but I decided this year, I'm like, I'm gonna listen to all their albums. And I've learned all this stuff about music that I never would have considered. And um, when I, same thing when I got into hip hop finally in the mid 2010s, I started just finding all these different albums. I didn't care what anyone else said. I'm just like, I'm gonna listen to them. I don't, I don't care. Boogie with the hoodie. You said you don't like them. Okay. I'm going to listen to them. I don't care. I'm going to try it. And, and even, even, I think also being brave enough to, to research other people's opinions and ideas where, um, so it can be something as malevolent as I was at a bookstore and I found, what was it called? The Patriot's Bible, which is just as psychotic as you'd think. <laughs> but in my family, I was looking at this book and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I want to know. What do they think? I want to know what they're saying. I want to know what, what are they thinking? Why do they get this out of that? And, or it could be something as positive as like, I'm like, you know what? I don't know anything about Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm going to go on YouTube and find different videos and learn <laughs> about Sonic the Hedgehog because I just want to know. And that's, that's what I've done of trying to, to not, not just the reason I bring up the, the, the film people from high school is mm. they were more or less telling me what to think and they were more or less enforcing what I already thought. And that wasn't expanding anything. So I was learning all this geek garbage, but it wasn't feelings, wasn't thoughts and ideas. Versus now, if someone, you know, as long as they're a decent person and they are smart, it doesn't have to mean they have a high IQ, which is they're, you know, intelligent people of their ownness. Mm -hmm. I'll sit and I'll listen. It's like, okay, you know, if I disagree or not, but at least I learned what could be a different perspective. What's a different thing to look at and think about. So, you know, going, so now that's actually evolved for me where it's like, you know, I'll, instead of me going like, oh, everyone who likes this movie is stupid. This movie, blah, 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 blah. But I say, I'm like, yeah, but if kids like it, that's good. You know, that's kind of the thing I'll say. I'm like, yeah, but if kids can find some value and if you find value out of it, go ahead you know positive encouraging value in it then yeah go ahead and i never would have been able to say that back in the day so that's how i've i've learned to to listen to, to actually listen not just hear it but think about what's being said around me the people around me the stories around me and etc i think i want to adopt that philosophy a little bit more i think i want to learn to explore other people's opinions and thought processes um, are you an active reader? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what are you What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading. I'm catching up on the Haiku manga. Um, I'm still reading comics. Um, I'm reading right now. Um, Neil Gaiman's Fragile Things. This was a short story book because I love short story books. That is like a little thing. I've, uh, I hear other people like, oh, no, 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 no. But for me, I'm like, yes, yes, short story <laughs> books. Because um, I just finished um david weber is the honor of the queen which was awesome and Lindsay ellis's axioms End, which was fascinating um so i'm reading those right now just a long long list of stuff <laughs> i just keep thinking of like how am i going to read all these books what are when these comics and then what are, there's no time in the world it's like it's like a freaking uh james bond movie title <laughs> it's not enough time but that's what i'm currently reading Nice. Do you journal at all? 
Um, yeah, I journal. I I just out about myself. Um, I've been running a public uh, film journal where I'll do like a part analysis, part review, and part personal journal update on new films I've seen. And I've been doing that, and I've been doing that in general in private for years anyway. And last year I condensed into like little paragraphs and let it go. But I was last year, what happened was um, I saw Schindler's List for the first time and I'm like, damn, that would have made such a good entry. I would have really made a killing on that. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get back to writing this. And so I've condensed it. They're much smaller now uh, for this year. Um, and at first I was, I was very dry. I was like, okay, this, 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 this. And it was really hard to do. It was just really hard. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I have to talk about a film the way it makes me think about my own life. Um, so that ended up what is what I've been doing so far this year is, is if I'll write about something, it'll be personal. I'll recount memories or stuff that's going on the day I saw the movie or something like that because I just have to that's just my my way of journaling and understanding you know a movie in front of me so yeah I, I use that for journaling I, I don't know how that became my thing because as I've tried doing like you know October 12th 1985 blah 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 watching <laughs> reference everyone um I can't do it I just can't but if I you know watch a movie and it's like this reminds me of the time and I saw the movie today with so and so that so yeah that's what I've been doing that's my journaling nice okay um so what is one thing that you are super into right now that you just cannot stop talking about and have to tell everybody about it oh my gosh dude the rocky movies rocky oh, and wow. creed oh my gosh there's a whole there's a whole thing about that. There's a whole story about me and the Rocky films that like is the greatest thing of all time. But um the this year I've been able to see the the new Creed movies. Mm -hmm. And I got to see Creed 3 in the theater. That was the first Rocky film I got to see in the theater. And it was awesome. I'm still thinking about this. These these movies are like okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> this is my theory. I'm like so all the Rocky movies, even the two that are kind of shaky, mm -hmm. they're all good. They're all good. They're all well-written. They're traumatic and personal, and they are very inspiring on a personal level, and they have something to say. They're all well-made. But here's the other thing. People like them. The movie series started in 1976. Um, Creed Three was trending. People want to see them, they make money, and they make good reviews. And after I saw Creed 3, I'm like, okay, so one, there's nine movies. <laughs> they're all, even the two that are kind of shaky, they're all great in their own way. Why aren't they the kings of Hollywood? This is the greatest film series of all time. So, because, you know, you hear all these things about films like, oh, this movie and that movie. And I'm like, yeah, but they're inexpensive to make. And they're very, very good. And I'm like, they should be the models. I've said this about um to my family about Planet of the Apes too, but that's still a big budget sci-fi series. Right, right. But this though, it's just about people. I'm like, this should be the model for Hollywood. It's it's insane. Um, and yeah, and Creed Three is currently my favorite movie, new new movie of this year because oh my gosh, 
It's so good. It's just so good. <laughs> so I, I've just, I have just been on about this for months. I'm like, and it's so weird because I, I wouldn't, I'm not into sports dramas that much. I, I mean, I'm huge into soccer for various reasons. Um, played it, watched it, etc. Um, not into boxing, whatever. Well, they're not really boxing movies, but that's a conversation, different interpretation. But like, oh, they've captured my heart. Best film series ever, no joke. And nice. I love them to death. That is that is my current obsession right now. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, and the last question I'll ask you is, what are you currently working on? Um, right now, I'm still working on the film journals because I I still really like them. I, I keep telling myself, I'm like, you're wasting your time. I'm like, yeah, but they're they're good though. Um, or at least I feel so. Um, there's expressive. Um, but the main the main things I'm working on right now are about two and a half. Um, one, I'm still talking with my film partner who's working on this script that he's called Camerahead, which sounds amazing. He's like, it's David Cronenberg and David Lynch combined. And I love me some David Lynch. So, you know, that was the thing. So then we've been kind of batting around a little bit. Um, I'm working on six comic book issues um, for a project called Folklore, which is basically my twilight zone um and i'm about halfway through with the outlines and trying to understand them but those those are called um the constant shooter house burning the kid who feared christmas um brutal of sendara um what is the uh, cradle of the sandman which i'm really excited to work on and this other one wasn't going to be invented until i started hearing a lot about the news which is uh, currently called an angel of death awaits because I can't change the world on the political news of people hurting other people and getting paid to hurt it. But golly, can I do it in fiction? I can get my own vengeance in fiction. <laughs> not, not vengeance. I should say I can, because vengeance, that sounds kind of petty, more like I can make peace with it in some fashion. So yeah. those are the six uh, comic issues, one shots. I'm trying to combine into a single volume. That's my, continual thing uh, but the main thing the main thing is my baby which is a space opera project called uh cosmos which is the byline is let me see if i have it in my head um during the outbreak of interplanetary civil war two best friends search for their missing beloved before she takes her own life I think that was the byline I had. It's been a little while because I've been seeped into it. Um, this is the project I've been working on uh, more or less since 2015, April 2015. So it was just an anniversary uh, this month. Yeah. And I, I'm working on the scriptment. And the scriptment is basically a moment for moment, line by line, second by second, uh, prose version of the story. Um, and I already had the the first draft done. I'm working on the second draft, which has been way harder than I expected. I thought it would be better, but turns out when you start a project about three years ago, by the end of the three years, you're a different person. So what you wrote <laughs> in the beginning is kind of nuts. So I've been trying to work through that and trying to strengthen it. 
Um, my main goal, my main realistic goal, so my dream, my dream would be for it to be an animated miniseries on the same level of quality as The Legend of Korra. That's mm -hmm. my dream. It's probably not going to happen, but my my backup concept um, is to make it a animatic because I find these beautiful animatics people do online of musical numbers mm -hmm. and they're incredible, like just incredible stuff. And I was like, you know, if I can get a full musical sound effects, voice cast, all of that stuff correct, if I can make a really damn good animatic with people, that's not a bad way to end this. If I can do that, if I can tell the story in that format, it's not the worst way to go. Um, which is why the scriptment has been so difficult because it's not just lines. It's like stuff that I want the actors to know when they say a line or the draw the the artists when they're designing stuff so it's it's like almost like a project bible in a sense right. too mm -hmm. um but that one um i just finished uh act one of the second draft which is huge news that is but yeah just chipping away at that and still doing that but that's uh what i'm doing right now very nice very give nice. me money everyone please <laughs> <laughs> there isn't there's now going to be a little message board for you to call please send me money for help for for me and i'll stop i'll shut up about all of this <laughs> well um first of all thank you so much Joel, for for joining us and, and sharing with us and opening up uh about everything that that about the different topics that we talked to this this interview we got just as deep i think a little bit deeper than we did last time and i and i and i like that and, I, and i'm just grateful that you that you shared a little bit of time with me um today to do that uh why don't you let the audience know if they want to find you um follow your journey and see what you're up to where can they find you um right now the best and easiest way uh to find me is to go to wattpad i think that's w-a-t-t-p-a-d and look up Xavier E. Palacios. That's P-A-L-A-C-I-O-S. Xavier E. Palacios. That is where I'm posting um, my film journal stuff. But specifically, anything of real interest, that's where it's going. Because people are actually seeing the stuff. Um, and that's where I have like my website links. And I'll put the disc, my, my Discord stuff up. So that's the, the central hub. If you want to find anything I'm doing interesting, it's there. Okay. So awesome. Awesome. Well, again, we I truly appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for for your time. It was it was a fantastic, fantastic interview. I enjoyed it and I and I also look forward to having you back in the future for for more spirited conversations about all sorts of all sorts of interesting things and 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 I, I always learn I always learn something when I when I talk to you and 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 I enjoy that. Um so again thank you so much for for being here man. Well thank you for having me it is uh it's a blast man for real. Awesome. Awesome. Well you have been listening to the mentally ill filmmaker podcast. Uh this has been uh one of our monthly interviews and I just want to say thank you for, for, for listening. Remember that you were seen, you were loved, and you were validated. I am Jared Moses, and this has been the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast.
Thank you for joining us on this illuminating journey through the minds and hearts of filmmakers. We hope that these conversations have offered you a deeper understanding of the profound connection between mental health and the art of storytelling. Remember, the stories we've shared here are just the beginning. Let's continue to dialogue, support one another, and embrace the transformative power of vulnerability and empathy. If you've been inspired by the conversations on the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast, we encourage you to share this podcast with others who may find solace, inspiration, or a sense of community in these discussions. As we navigate the ever-changing landscape of life and creativity, remember that our stories matter, our mental health matters, and our voices matter. Until next time, keep exploring, keep creating, keep unmasking the power of human spirit through the lens of filmmaking. Thank you for being a part of the Mentally Ill Filmmaker Podcast. This concludes another episode of our show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and stay connected for future episodes. For more information and updates, visit our website at TheMentallyIllFilmmaker.com. Join our online community on social media and keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening. Take care and remember, your story matters.